Hello, I'm the Pink Phantom, and this is my podcast. Join me as I delve into the world of games and gaming, and especially old school RPGs. Together, let's voyage into the astral realm and check out my Phantom Thought. Hey, Jason here. I know the answer to this. The correct pronunciation is character generation. Character generation. You're welcome. So as far as your solo campaign goes, I really enjoy the mechanical bits and all the numbers. I also like the world building, and I also like what you do with the party. So I think the mix of them going forward would be nice. Kind of what you've been doing, really. So, but like the whole thing with the orcs building up their defenses and getting ready for the hill giants and all that, I really enjoy that section. And I like the world building part too. So it, it would have been nice to see the party. We don't need to see the party in every episode by any means. But I kind of like a balance between all those elements. So that's my feedback. Thank you, Jason, for clearing up the charging cargin question. And I uh, really appreciate your feedback on the actual play campaign uh, i like all the different parts and for a little while there it felt like it was just settling into <laughs> almost uh short story writing time and but i'm glad to to be rolling more dice and doing some of the world building and just getting some of the world building out there i'm still going to experiment with how to fit it all together within the context of the podcast because i don't want i don't want these podcasts to be getting real long i don't want to certainly don't want to eclipse the hour mark unless it's just one big thing that's taking place that needs to be continuous or something like that and continue to have other parts of the podcast as well so thank you for your feedback on that as always i want to spend a few minutes highlighting uh eternal verse games uh they have an etsy shop and they've also done some kickstarters that i participated in and what really kicked this off was receiving a package from them that i'd ordered on uh, terrain dice, which kind of fits in with a couple episodes back, my feeling hexy episode where I went over a couple of items I'd received that would help with uh, developing a hex map. This would these dice would have as well was six sort of a six piece set, and on each side they have a different type of terrain: forest, river or stream, hills, mountains, uh, town or well, farm or plains, and then one for a fortress or tower. So you could roll this dice and get some random terrain, or you could roll multiple dice. You could do, like, if you wanted to do a map, if you wanted to start off a map, you could do, like, a die drop where you get these dice and you drop them on a piece of paper, and and you could use that as the core of different different types of terrain or or maybe to, to roll a transition, figure out where the transition is, rolling several dice and seeing what kind of matches you get. So that was something I liked. And I'd previously Kickstarters I backed, uh, they had some runic D6s and D4s, roughly cylindrical in shape, you know, where there's just the different sides. You roll them like a pencil, and they're six-sided dice and four-sided dice, and they're just marked with lines, sometimes crossing each other, that give you one through four or one through six. That was another thing I'd backed from the, them from. And uh, another product of theirs, Randice, which has dice which let you roll up uh, NPCs and get their social class, their profession, their 
their attitude at the time, their age, eye color, alignment, things like that. You can also use it with uh, to generate monsters, what size they are, what type of monster it is, if it's you know undead or plant or something like that. So it was something you could use to generate NPCs on the quick or or monsters on the quick, if, or if you're just trying to, not even necessarily for a campaign or anything or or an adventure at the table, but if you're just trying to, uh, you know, stimulate some ideas for something you're planning for the future, or I, I imagine you probably could use them at the table if you're quick-witted enough. I don't know that I am, but they have lots of they have several varieties of dice. Uh, they have some dice that look like potion bottles. And again, you roll, tend to roll these kind of like a pencil. You roll them laterally, and all the numbers are on one axis instead of being different faces. So, Eternal Verse games on the Etsy shop. Uh, they have a Kickstarter page. I'll link those in my show notes. Just something I wanted to mention. If you like resources to give you random results or to just stimulate your own adventure building or campaign building activities. And now more from my solo AD&D RPG campaign, Tales of the Dragon Slayers. As part of the Tales of the Dragon Slayers campaign, uh, Sir Gus, sort of on behalf of the party, sent to his family to get some help out here on the hinterlands where they're running across these ever-increasing numbers of creatures wandering around veritable uh, skirmish forces all the way up to armies and they, they want to have some more force available to help deal with that and in going through the AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide and kind of building up the kind of force that it looks like they're going to have also included some non-combat you know not just combat troops but support staff things like masons and carpenters that will need to, to sort of refurbish the dungeon keep as they build uh, things like teamsters and bearers to move things, supplies back and forth between town and what's now their base of operations. And, you know, things like architect to help design things, weaponsmith, blacksmiths, uh, leather workers, and armorers. And the interesting thing about armorers among all the hirelings that you have listed in DMG is they're, they have variable skill level. There's four potential scale levels of armor, and it's not, you know, well, these cost more than these, these cost more than these. It's you roll. And 50% of the time, they're capable of, of creating ring, scale, or studded armor. 25% of the time, all of those plus splint. 15% of the time, all of those plus chain. And only 10% of the time can they create any kind of armor. Based on the number of troops that are being sent, there was going to be eight armors. And I figured I'd just go ahead and roll and see what their skill level is going to be to see what the party has available to them if they need to uh, create armor to replace armor lost in a great battle or something. So we're going to roll eight times percentile dice and see what we get. So first roll, that's a 29%. So that's that first tier of of uh, ring mail or below and 47% that's again in that first tier
89%. Uh, that's very close to the top level, but not quite. But that is the third tier, which gives you chain, anything up to chain. 40%. We're that for, back to that first tier again. And we've got a 62. So that puts us in the second tier there. A 96. We got a fourth tier. We got at least one armor that can help create plate armor, for example, if we need it. Uh, 66%. That's that second tier again. So that's running about percentage-wise. And then finally, 20%, one more first tier. So first tier is 1 through 50%, and we got exactly 50%. We got four of those. Uh, the second tier, which is 25%, we got two of those. And then one third tier, one fourth tier. So that's pretty good, pretty good on the dice there, matching the percentages. The other thing I wanted to roll up was some NPC stats for. Uh, Captain Idle, who had brought the, this first group of light horsemen to the party to help support the party. And also, I want to roll up some stats for Harl and Quinn. And I'm thinking that because they have been with the party for so long, they've been working with them, training with them, I'm going to have them become full-fledged party members, even though that's, you know, usually NPCs can't progress in level if they're zero level, as Quinn or Harl are. And for example, Captain Idol, because he's an NPC soldier, he will ha he he is going to be an eighth level fighter. As being being a captain that falls into the range that captains fall into, he's an eighth level fighter, but he's not able to progress. And these soldier fighter level fight leveled fighters that are soldiers, they have reached essentially the limit of what they're going to be as part of their. Their training and their their you know veterancy of being a fighter, and they've reached their maximum level. So he's not he's a leveled character, but he's a leveled NPC who won't progress any further. So I want to roll up some stats from these, and I also wanted to bring up the the stats for NPCs listed in the DMG. Quite a while back, at the very beginning of this show, I did an episode where I went over different methods of character generation throughout different versions of D&D. But the, those were for player characters. But under those under the four methods listed for player character generation in the DMG, first edition AD&D, are ways to generate stats for non-player characters. I thought I'd go over those real quick. Uh, non-player characters, you should, of course, set the ability scores of those NPCs you will use as parts of the milieu, particularly those of high level and power. Scores for high level NPCs must be high. How else could these figures have risen so high? Determine the ability scores of other non-player characters as follows. General characters, roll 3d6 for each ability as usual, but use average scoring by considering any 1 as a 3 or any and any 6 as a 4. So you'd be cutting off the low end, cutting off the high end for these just kind of general purpose characters. For special characters, including henchmen, roll 3d6 for general characters, but allow for the full range, 3d18, except in the ability or abilities which are germane to his or her profession, i.e. strength for fighter, etc. 
For all such abilities, either use one of the determinations used for player characters or add one to each die of the three rolled, which scores under six. So it's interesting to see the, the slightly different ways of generating NPC scores, which tend towards keeping them to the average to lower end versus the methods listed for the player characters, which are meant to generate slightly higher than average scores, the way they're put together, so that you have more beneficial scores for player characters than non-player characters. So uh, let's, get, let's get to rolling a little dice here. For Captain Idle, since he's a special character, I'm going to roll 3d6 and add one to any die that's not a six. But because of his station within within the Sir Gus's family, and I've I've kind of established in my head that this is sort of a, a cavalier family. So I'm going to say that he is definitely a cavalier. So he's going to have the minimums necessary for a cavalier. And that would be strength 15, intelligence 10, wisdom 10, Dexterity 15, Constitution 15. But if we should roll higher, then they'll be higher. But just, just to test out this method and see what kind of scores we generate. All right, so for strength here, we're going to get, well, that would only be, he rolled a 1, a 1, and a 6. So adding 1 to those other two dice would be a 10 at best. So we'll give him the 15 then. So for intelligence, he rolled a 1, a 3, and a 2 which adding one to each of those would give us a total of nine. Again, that would be too low, so he's going to get a 10 intelligence. For wisdom, he rolls a four, a two, and a two. So adding one to each of those would be a total of 11. So he'll get one more than the minimum needed for wisdom with, a, with an 11. For dexterity, he rolls a three, a four, and a one which would again be an 11 when you add one to each one, but he needs a 15 in dexterity, so he's going to get that 15. Constitution. Another three, three, four, and one. So for the same, it would have been an 11. So he, he'll get his 15. And then finally, Charisma. Uh, his best roll, I think. Six, four, and three. So adding one to the three and the four. That would be a total of 15 for Charisma. So, pretty good scores, but had to give him most of those just to get him to be a Cavalier. Now, for Harlan and Quinn, before the campaign started, I actually rolled for them for Dexterity since they were going to be archers against the Dragon just to see if they would have any bonuses. And Harl did end up with a bonus of plus two shooting his arrows. So, he has a 17 Dexterity. Uh, Quinn has a 14 but we will roll them as, since they're joining the party, we're going to roll them using one of the PC methods. For the for the other PCs, for the humans, I use method 5, which is from Unearthed Arcania, where you roll sometimes a very large number of dice, depending because you can roll depending on what kind of class you're trying to get access to. And for the rest of the party, I rolled method 3, which is for each ability score, you roll 3d6 six times and take the best one. So I think I'm going to use some different methods for Carl and Harl and Quinn to to see what kind of methods. So we have method one, which is 46, and put them in the order you want. So roll 46 six times and put them in the order you want. Method two, which is all score all scores recorded and arranged is method one, 3d6 rolled 12 times and the highest six scores are retained. So 3d6 12 times and keep the highest six. 
And then method four is you roll 3d6 sufficient times to generate the six ability scores in order for 12 characters. We're not going to use method four because that would take a long time. So for Harl, I'm going to use the 4d6 method. So let's see what we get. We're only rolling for five scores here because he already has his dexterity of 17. All right, so the first roll gives you four, four, three, and two. So that's going to give us an 11 there. He's going to get three, 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 and two. So that's going to be a nine. We've got a five, a six, a three, and a two. So that's going to give us a 14. A six, a five, a five, and a four. So that'll give us a 16. And then lastly, a six, a six, a four, and a two. So another 16. So two 16s, a 14, and a nine. Not a bad set of scores for Harl. Let's uh, put one of the 16s in strength for sure. Let's put one of the 16s in con because it looks like he's going to be a fighter here. And we'll put the, well, let's see, actually, if we put the 14 and the 11 in intelligence and wisdom, he would actually qualify to be a cavalier. That's interesting. Maybe we should do that. Well, no, because cavaliers don't really pick up bows until very late. They, they consider it dishonorable to do less than the up-close form of fighting. He's an archer. So, let's see. What do you qualify for? Ranger. Rangers need 13 strength, 13 intelligence, 14 wisdom, 14 con. He would be short in one of those scores. So, what we'll do is we're going to cut that strength down from a 15 to a, from a 16 down to a 14. So, that we can, and we'll use it to bulk up that 11 to a 13. Put that 13 in intelligence, put the 14 in wisdom. We've got the 16 in con, the 14 in strength. So now he qualifies to be a ranger, which I think makes sense because he's he's the better of the two archers, and that'll give him a nine in his charisma. That'll be that final score. All right, for Quinn, what we're going to do for Quinn here is we're going to use method two, which would be where you would roll normally roll 12 sets of ability scores to keep the highest six. Since, again, we already have that dexterity down as a 14, we're going to roll 3d6 10 times and keep the top five. Here we go. We've got a 5, 1, and 1. That's an 11. We've got a 1, 2, and 4. So that's a 7. A 3, 1, and 1. That's another 7. We've got a 6, 5, and 3. That's a 14. Another 4, 6, and 1. That would be an 11. Another 4, 6, and 1, an 11. A 6, 4, and 4. That's another 14. A 1, 2, and 2, that's a 5. So I think that's one of the scores we'll probably be dropping there. A 5, 5, and 4, that's a 14. That's three 14s we've rolled out of nine rolls so far. And then this is the last of the 10. A 4, 3, and 3 for a 10. So the highest 
five there will be 14, 14, 14, 11, and 11. So we will go with him having, well, you know what? We're going to pull the same DM shenanigans I just pulled for Harl because he's just one thirteen away from also qualifying as a ranger. And again, with these guys being archers, to me, that makes the most sense. So we're going to put 14 in wisdom because he's got to have one there. And a 14 in charisma because he's got to have one. No, I'm sorry, con, constitution, because he's got to have one there. And he would need a 13 in strength and a 13 in intelligence. So we'll put the other 14 in strength. And we're going to bump up an 11. Well, let's see here. We'll make that 14 in strength a 13. And we'll bump up one of the 11s to a 13. And we'll take the other point from his charisma. That'll give him a charisma of 10. And that's a good that's a good set of scores. 13, 13, 14, 14, 14, and 10. Going strength, intelligence, wisdom, dexterity, constitution, and charisma. So our two boys have officially joined the party. They're going to be part of the group. They'll be earning full shares of treasure. And really, for the heroes that helped slay the dragon, how could you expect any less? But now let's get back to the rest of the party. They still, they still have some works to deal with. Let's see how they're doing. So in this battle, there are nine orcs. Four of them have spears, which means that they're going to be able to attack from a back rank. And five of them have bastard swords. Now, during the last battle, what I didn't take into account for the party was that Sven is only three foot four, being a halfling. And Bernie, being an elf, is five foot four. Edgar is six feet tall. And Cudgel is five foot ten. So the one of them that's behind is going to be able to get off some sort of ranged attack. I'm going to say Bernie's too tall for either one of them to, to take a shot over his head. The other thing is the orcs are leaderless. Their leaders were killed in the battle with the party earlier. They are listed in the monster manual as having average intelligence on the low side, which according to the monster manual is an intelligence of 8 to 10. Since it's on the low side, I'm going to say it's an 8. So after the after each round of battle, I'm going to roll a 20-side die against their intelligence to see if they get the idea, the ones that can't get come to grips with the party, get the idea that they can maybe run around to the other side, which, based on the distance, is probably going to take two rounds for them to make it around and come at the party from behind. So let's, ro let's roll initiative here. The party rolls a two. The orcs roll a four. So the orcs are going to charge in the battle. They're going to get a plus two to attack. The ones that will be on the front line anyway, because they will be able to charge into battle. The ones behind them won't be able to do that for risk of running into the orcs at the back. So first we're going to, have to decide which of them reacts first. I'm going to roll a D4. And on a one or a two, it'll be a spearman. On a three or a four, it'll be someone with a sword. All right, that's a four, so that's someone with a sword. Let's just do the three front line guys here. Two, that'll be a spearman. And a three, so two, two orcs with a sword and one with a spearman react first, and three other spearmen will be able to come in behind. So that will be... All the spearmen will be able to get engaged. So we'll start with 
rolling to attack against Sir Gus. They needed 21 to hit him. The uh, adjustment on a versus armor for a bastard sword is zero, so they can't really hit him normally. But with the plus two, if they roll a 19 or a 20, they could hit him in this round. And with a seven, they misses. So now we're going to go to the one that's engaging Sven. Going to need a nine, normally need a 19 to hit with a plus two. Only need a 17, and a 19 hits. Bastard Sword does 2 to 8 points of damage. It's 1. That's 3, so 4 points of damage to Sven. Knocking him down to 6 hit points. Actually, he'd have been at a plus 1 with a Bastard Sword, but he hit either way. So now we have the Spearman going at Bernie. He does have an adjustment of 0 against Bernie. He needs a 20 to hit. And with an 8, he misses. Now, the other three orcs with spears pile in behind. Uh, the spear against Sir Gus is a minus 2, trying to hit a 21. And even though rolling a 16, that doesn't do him any good. The, it's the spear that's minus 1 against Sven. So he needs a 20 to hit and gets a 12. And then against Bernie, again, the spear, no adjustment, needs a... 20 and rolls a 10. Now the party's turn. Sir Gus rolling against trying to hit a 14. He's got a plus 4 to hit. He rolls a 17. And he's going to do 1 to 8 damage plus his bonus of plus 7 to damage. He rolls a 12 and that kills that swordsman. Now we'll do Sven. He needs also to roll 14. He's at a plus 6. He rolls a 5 and misses. Bernie is at a plus 4. He needs a 14 to hit. He rolls a 10. He That's exactly what he needed. And so he's going to roll 1d8 with plus 4 to his damage. A 9. And so a spearman goes down. Cudgel with a dart will be rolling to attack the spearman that's now in front of Bernie. He needs a 15 to hit. He has a plus one with this attack. With a nine, he misses. And Edgar cannot yet participate. So we go back to initiative. The orcs get a four. The party also gets a four. Simultaneous attack. We'll roll to see if the swordsmen get the idea that they can go around to the other side. They roll 14, so they fail on their intelligence check, so they don't get the idea to go around. Let's see if they get the idea that the orcs get the idea that they can rearrange to get the sport swordsmen up front and give the spearmen a chance to stay on the back row. Uh, with a 7, they do. So, we're going to squeeze forward with a swordsman here. He moves in to attack Sir Gus. An 11, that doesn't hit. The one in front of Sven attacks. He rolls an 11, he misses. And then one comes in to the open spot in front of Bernie. He rolls a 3, and he misses. 
Now the three spearmen attack. Sir Gus, 17 misses. Sven, two misses. Bernie with a 19. He just misses. If that had been the one with the sword, he would have hit him. But with the spearman, just misses. So now the party. Sir Gus swings his sword. He gets a 20. And he does a total of 8 points of damage. So that kills another swordsman. Sven attacks. He rolls a 5. He misses. Bernie. He rolls a 12. That's a hit. And he rolls 8 damage. Plus that's more than enough to kill another swordsman. And now, Cudgel will take another shot at a Spearman across from Sven. And with a 17, he hits. Let's see, what does a dart do? A dart does 1d3 plus 3 damage. Roll d6 and have it. He rolled a 6, so that's a total of 6 damage. And that kills a Spearman. Now, Bernie gets a second attack in. He's going to go after the swordsman across from beside Sven. That's a hit. And he's going to do five points of damage. And that's not quite enough. That swordsman is still standing. So at this point, the orcs have lost more than half their number. That's going to trigger a morale check for sure. Uh, losing 50% of their group is plus 15. Uh, they have lost a total of six. That's plus 60%. So that's plus 75 to the dice. So with a plus 75, they can't possibly succeed in this morale check. It's just a question of how badly will they fail it. So 97 plus 75, they surrender. They surrender to the party. So the party ties them up. Uh, Sven, Bernie, and Cudgel all speak orc, so they are going to question the orcs. Let's check their reaction rolls here. So we had a 61, a 74, and a 64. For in order, Cudgel, Bernie, and Sven. Uh, Cudgel has a plus 10%. Bernie has a plus 20%. So they get a lot of cooperation from the orcs. Uh, the orcs tell them that they are the last of their orcs, that a lot of them died in a room back past the stairs. There was a secret door, and there were some creatures that made a terrible screaming noise when they went in, and another large plant creature came in and attacked them as they were trying to escape from the screaming and killed several of them before they were able to get away. And that there is a room to the north with a large door that seems to just go nowhere. And there is a large chest in the corner with all their remaining treasure and possessions. And because Bernie, with his bonus and the fact that he's a thief and he would know to ask about such things and the reaction that they got 
from him, uh, they clue him in that there's a stone block that will fall on your head if you just walk up to the chest and try to open it. Bernie attempts to disarm the trap. He's got 25% chance, and he rolls a 6%. So he disarms the trap, and they are able to recover the treasure. And after more discussion among themselves, they determine that this seems to be a very small level, but big enough to hold the people they have. So if they could clear it out, it could be a secure area, and that would give them time to go back down to the first floor of the keep and find out what killed those other orcs and clear out some space and maybe secure it for them because they know more help is coming. They're going to have more people to upkeep, and they want this to be their base of operations. They're going to have to clear it out. But if they can establish a secure location on this floor, then that will give them the option to clear it out a little more leisurely and maybe give them an option to spend a little more time to recover the last of the dragon's horde. And we're going to leave it at that. The opening music of this podcast is Strength of the Titans, and the closing music is Late Night Radio, both by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Thank you for listening to Phantom Thoughts. I would love to hear your feedback. You don't have to be part of the show. If you want to contact me and let me know, hey, these are for your eyes only. I just wanted to give you thoughts, ideas, response. And it's really for your eyes or ears only. That's absolutely fine. I'd love to hear from you either way. So just let me know when you contact me. Just I don't want to be part of the show. There are lots of different ways you can contact me. You can send me an email at phantomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. And that can be a regular email, or you can attach an audio file to it. You can use the message button on my podcast site on podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash phantom thoughts. You can contact me via my Google voice number, 864-209-1441. You can contact me via SpeakPipe at www speakpipe.com slash phantom thoughts you can contact me on discord the pink phantom all this contact information is listed in the show notes of every episode and thank you for those who call in thank you for those who don't call in i appreciate you listening and hope you'll listen again next time until then i hope you have a great day